Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. We're here with one of our guest hosts, uh, Catherine Chong comes to us with a background in product management and uh, she's actually in an interesting spot right now where she's trying to figure out what her next steps are so uh, we'll, we'll get into some of that conversation so if you don't mind sharing uh, Catherine a little bit about what you're doing now and then we'll go back in time and trying to ask you a few questions about what you were, were you like as a kid uh, yeah so currently because I haven't left my job yet I'm the director of products at one class and I've spent actually my last 10 years of my career in EdTech, specifically with this company. And I've done a myriad of different roles, which ultimately led, led to where I am right now, which is in the field of product management. Sounds good. So, uh, yeah, if you can take us back in time and, and let us know, what was, what was Catherine like as a kid? So I don't know if there were any fond moments growing up. And then what were some of the kind of influences that took you on the way to, to where you are right now? Yeah. Well, how I remember my childhood was that I was a very strong type A kind of high achiever as a child. So I, I really, I really liked the challenge of school. I really liked, I liked the fact that there were progress reports and there were report cards that, that would kind of tell me how well I'm doing. And, and I, I, I really enjoyed that process of. So you were a good student, I guess. Yeah, I was. A, yeah, let's say competitive. I would put it not just good, it's just competitive. I was very competitive. <laughs> it really didn't matter what it was. It's just any time a challenge was presented in front of me, I was like, I, I would just put my heart into it, and yeah, that's that's really how I remember a lot of my childhood. And that kind of kind of I, like as I reflect on it, it really influenced my behavior and like my tendencies later in life as well. Cool. And did that come from someone? Were, were you kind of uh, surrounded by brothers and sisters that were that way? Uh, parents, were they like that? Or is it just the group of friends that you were with? Or, or is it just you were the, the odd one out? <laughs> I, yeah, that was actually, that's a good question. That was actually very interesting because my parents weren't really that strict in terms okay. of like my school performance. Like obviously they like, coming from an Asian background it's not a, abnormal for them to want me to do well but sure. they didn't expect me to be as driven as I was so that was kind of like my own uh, affinity towards doing well like I really love that feeling and I that's really what I've gotten for. Cool. Can you describe maybe one of the, the first times that that happened or where, where you're like you know what I just I just gotta win <laughs> is there a story <laughs> that you can share in that regard? Um it's just a lot of micro moments like during sure. school like I would I, I I oh I do have one distinct memory which was um I think it was like in the early grade schools when you were first exposed to spelling tests I was okay. I was always like waiting to get that 10 out of 10 like for spelling tests and I and I just remember one of the like, I guess also one of the flaws that I've noticed in my personality later in life was that I tend to over analyze my failures too like if I get a 9 out of 10 I like I made one mistake, I would just be like, man, I, I made so many mistakes. Like, I can't believe I'm such a failure. And that, that's something that uh, just recently I, I started really thinking about in terms of like how that kind of shaped my behavior later in life too. Cool. Okay. 
Cool. So you ultimately ended up in, in product management, but uh, in, mm -hmm. in between there, you did a stint uh, doing a, a BBA in school. So, so what was the influence to go into kind of the business realm? Uh, was that uh, something that, that you wanted on your own or, or, or were there other influencing factors around you? Oh, the big thing from that was actually from high school. When I was in high school, I, I really didn't know what it was I wanted to do. So this kind of comes from that whole background of really wanting to be good at everything when I was a little bit younger and I really didn't have a sense of direction. So that, that was actually yeah. probably the biggest um, turning point for me is when I, when I went, got into high school, when the subjects got a lot more deeper in terms of knowledge, I realized that I couldn't maintain this, like be good at everything just because you can. And, yeah. and that's when I started realizing that I had to start to focus. So that's when I started looking at what areas of focus really resonated with me. So I tried to do a portion of the, like the Asian six pack, trying to do all the maths and sciences. <laughs> sure. but, then, but then I realized that it, it didn't really spark enough of creativity in me. I, I realized that I, I, I liked a little bit of creativity, but not full on, let's say arts, for example. Sure. And I found with business, I, I got a little bit of that. And I, I kind of liked some areas of it. Uh, in high school, my, your major exposure to that is probably somewhere along the lines of like accounting. That's mm -hmm. usually where a lot of students kind of end up. And that's where I ended up too. I, I took a bunch of accounting courses and I, I really liked it. I really liked how you're now using kind of analytical skills to really look at a business. And I was like, okay, this is kind of fascinating. And that's when I also got hit with uh, some of the advertising from the CA organization where gotcha. they would tell you like to be a, ch a chartered accountant is basically being like the king of the world. You're you get to own everything or, or you get to be part of any industry. And, and I really bought into the advertising and that's really what I thought I, I wanted. And that kind of it is a great kind of segue into like what my university career was like. So get, going into university, obviously my main goal was to get into the, into a great accounting program so that I could graduate as accountant, be an accountant, be everything that I ever dreamed I'd, I'd be. And, and that's when I, I got into uh, UTSC, the, the co-op program uh, for accounting. And after about my first year of uh, university, I, 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 I thought I still really wanted accounting. I mean, I, I did okay with the, the courses and everything. But then at that time, I also ran into a tech startup called, uh, at the time it was called Note Solution. Okay. And they were advertising on campus. It was like a really infant startup. It was just a bunch of a couple of alumni uh, that came up with this business idea and they were advertising on campus. And for those who aren't aware of what the business is, it's, uh, it's a marketplace where students can connect with other students uh, if they have great resources. So somebody with amazing notes or uh, can actually monetize them so they can right. make money off of it. And then students who need great notes, they can come to a platform that already democratizes those resources. So instead of engaging in an awkward conversation of, hey, can I borrow your notes? You could just access it uh, right away. So, yeah. so that's what really what it was. And, and they were advertising on campus and I, I was just a second year student at that time. And I thought, sounds interesting. I, I, I'll try it out. And, and my story with that, it was that I, I made so much money on the platform that they couldn't afford to pay me out what they owed <laughs> me. So they offered me an internship instead. And then if you, if you go to any sort of, actually any university student knows that getting any work experience is great experience because going into the workforce is really critical. Um, 
and having something on your resume. So I said, absolutely, sure, yeah, I'll do the internship. I'll trade you whatever you owed me for an internship. So I, I did that, and and well, I sorry, did that actually. If I can interpret that, so so that was uh, you were on the platform as one of those students who had yeah. great notes and was monetizing it, and uh, basically a lot of traction. A lot of people were 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 uh, kind of buying your notes, and uh, suddenly you had kind of this potential big payout coming, but they couldn't afford it. Right? Yeah. So in order to kind of uh, not uh, go under because they couldn't play uh, afford to pay one of their, uh, I guess, star uh, note takers or or note note sharers, whatever you call them, uh, then, then they offered you an internship. So uh, yeah, that sounds like a really cool and interesting story. So what, what was the internship experience uh, like? It, was it like a, a, a co-op term or was it like part of school or like how, how did that happen? So interestingly enough, when I was offered that uh, kind of like internship position, it was actually at the exact same time I was doing my co-op term at okay. school. So I was, uh, so I did land a co-op job as a tax accountant for a small firm called uh, Trowbridge Professional Corps. And they, and I was doing tax accounting for them. So for expat taxes, and I was doing this internship on weekends whenever, or whenever I had time. And it's a very challenging, uh, anybody who's done tax accounting, even as a, as a co-op student knows like that schedule is very demanding. Like you're working overtime all the time. So anytime that I could find, I was doing the I was doing work with uh, Note Solution, and it was interesting at that time because I was technically doing what I thought my dream was, which was accounting, while I was uh, working with this startup. And I realized something that I really enjoyed the work that I was doing for Note Solution, mm. and and I, I did a lot of reflection uh, in terms of why that was, and and I really liked that whenever you're you have a problem. Um, you you're allowed to be creative in terms of the solution that you you try to kind of resolve that. Whereas in accounting, like the very nature of accounting is is built on 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 like regulation and like right. there is a playbook. You can't just creatively go and do somebody's taxes. You'll get thrown in jail for that. Right. Yeah. So 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 that that was what I really enjoyed. So in my internship experience was a lot of that they were the founders were amazing in terms of integrating me into the business experience. They they showed me some of the problems that they were facing in terms of growing the business. And I came up with uh, different proposals, different solutions, and I was allowed to test them directly into the market. So cool. it was like, uh, how do we get more students to know about our brand? So it was like, oh, what if we did like a roadshow where we went to different schools and advertised to them? So we were allowed to like explore different ideas, see about like the feasibility and, and definitely try it out. So that's what I really enjoyed. And that's kind of like how I got started into that and that's when I also made the decision that I think what I thought uh, was my career path to be was uh, not going to really be it so that's when I kind of switched and changed all my course uh, my course uh, elections from like accounting based to more along the lines of uh, strategic management and a little bit of everything. So it sounds like that you had a, a, a good kind of epiphany uh, in terms of that that reflection, was that like a, a conscious and like a specific reflection where like, uh, let me take a weekend and, and write like uh, pros and cons and, and, and draft brainstorm and things like that? Or, or was it just more of a um, evolution over time? It was a it was an evolution over time. So so when I first started, it was just something interesting. It was just another extracurricular for me. But then I I, I actually remember the moment it was when I was taking the subway to to my accounting job 
and I sat on, on the subway and I was like, do I want this to be my life for the next however many years? And I, I said to myself, I'm like, no, I just had a like a very strong moment. I don't know what inspired me, but that moment I just asked myself that question, like, is this grind what I want to do for the rest of my life or at least for the foreseeable future? And I said, no. And that's when I, I made that jump. I, uh, the firm that I was working for, they had a, a chat with me in terms of like extending my, um, my co-op term or like into like future terms and hopefully uh, have me work full-time after I graduate. And I, I had to have that conversation where it's like, I, I don't think this is the future for me. So, mm. so that's when I fully kind of transitioned off and I changed how, how the rest of my courses at UTSC were going to go. Cool. So, so talk to us through kind of the experience for the remaining year. So you have uh, finished this co-op term, which you realize, okay, that's not what I want to do. You're now shifting and pivoting over to, uh, well, non-accounting or, or other things. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then I assume that you're continuing on the path with uh, uh, no solution, uh, eventually mm -hmm. one class, that sort of thing. Uh, what what was that process like? Was it was fairly easy to switch your courses, or were there any kind of big decisions that had to be made along the way, or was it pretty pretty smooth to to kind of move over? Um, the hardest part was not switching, like switching out of accounting courses, because that's a, that was simply a matter of like dropping them all. Sure. Uh, that was easy to do. But <laughs> the hard part was really picking what it was that I was going to do afterwards. So how I structured it. So at UTSC, at the time that I was taking it, basically, there were a couple of like, I guess, streams they would be called. So there was HR, marketing, uh, finance, I think those were the main ones and strategic management. Those are the ones I can remember. And I felt the one that made the most sense with what it was that I was doing was strategic management okay. uh, based off of like just general descriptions. And then the other thing I really liked about what the strategic management stream allowed me to do was that it actually had the lowest amount of requirements at okay. the time to graduate. So other than like the base, like, you know, first year economics and everything, like all the basic uh, first year courses that you need to take after that, it really didn't need much in terms of completion. So whereas accounting is pretty much prescribed in terms of what courses you need to take to graduate with that um, sure. specialty, strategic management had least, meaning that I had a lot of room to pick the rest of my credits to graduate. So I really liked that flexibility because then I could actually custom make my undergraduate experience to what I felt that I needed, at least for the challenge that I was currently working on, which was for uh, uh, one class, they, they rebranded to one class. So what I felt that I needed to do well in that area. So I took a bit of marketing classes, a bit of advertising. Uh, I took a bit of law as well. And I, I just pieced together like elements that I thought were interesting or that would actually benefit me directly. And, and through that experience, I would also uh, kind of bring to professors any sort of like current challenges I'm I'm having and ask them like okay like what would be your take on this problem or how how else could I approach this and, and I found that was the most rewarding like rewarding years of my university experience like the last couple of years where I really felt I was in complete control of of how my education was going to go since I had to you know good Asian good Asian student I had to finish school anyway like I felt sure. like that was the best way to kind of take control of that. 
Yeah, and I guess when you have uh, something waiting for you, because I assume that uh, after you graduated, uh, one class or note solution, whatever it was at that time, ended up uh, giving you an offer to, to, mm -hmm. to do so full, full time. So that's always nice mm -hmm. when you have something waiting for you. Talk to us a little bit about that, that evolution. So, so you graduated and, and now you have a role. What was that starting role? And then how did you grow uh, within um, that, that space in, in ed tech and then eventually into product? Uh, yeah, so the first role I came out doing I think, okay, I think, I, yes, the first role I did coming out of university was, I was still very lost, by the way, I didn't know exactly what my role would end up being, I just knew the problems that I would be facing. But the way I kind of captured it, or I spoke to the CEO was that I thought I was really good with people, because at the time, while I was still um, in the last couple of years of my university, experience, I was, I was still doing work for them. So I was representing the company on a provincial level. So going to different universities to bring in more students to kind of tell other students to be brand ambassadors. After that, I, I was thinking that because I'm so good at creating partnerships and creating relationships with people, I thought my career would make sense to move into business development because mm -hmm. I learned about that area. So so my next couple of years there was really focused on bringing corporate partnerships in. I learned that that was a very, very challenging role. So I mad respect for people who do uh, corporate partnerships because it's not easy at all. Okay. And I, I, I was able to actually bring in a couple of partnerships uh, with like Scotiabank, um, with Awake Chocolate, with a bunch of others as well, and National Post. Yeah, I brought, uh, brought those in. But then one of the, the, the ref the, the big conversations we had as a company was that that role didn't make sense as a whole because I was spending a lot of effort in terms of bringing external partnerships to the company where the product itself needs a lot more attention. And that's when I kind of moved my role from external partnerships to something a little bit more internal where I was actually focusing on the content. Cool. And, and is that where you got into kind of the product management side? And, and was there any kind of like formal education or process or is that a lot of just on the job learning so so it didn't like it didn't dawn on me that is, is that's when I started doing PM work however it didn't dawn on me what that trade was and what it was that I was effectively doing so when I got the director of content role the reason that was uh, that was given was that I had a lot of experience in terms of our user base for the contributor side like the beginning of my story of how I even got into one class in the first place mm -hmm. and and my main KPI, like my main like key performance indicator in terms of how well I was doing at the job was really based on one thing, which was the quantity of content on the site. Okay. So I, I was allowed to, to explore that in many different ways, but there was basically two avenues for me to approach that problem. I could either, I could either like find ways to kind of like get content from the web and put it onto the site right away, like from other sources, or I could focus directly on the users. And for some reason at the time, I, I didn't know exactly what I was doing, but I just instinctively knew that the solution was with the users and I really want to do something to motivate them further. So what I did at work was I started digging into the data. So I, I looked into the different uh, data sets that we had. I want to see if there was any sign of habitual behavior because that would show me that there is already some, there's might be already something there. So we saw that there was about 10 users that would religiously come back to the site every single week. And, and then what I did was I asked them questions in terms of why, why did they do that? And that's when we discovered really cool 
items like other than, outside of the money, they mentioned notes of altruism. They really cared about the impact that they had with, with other students that by providing these notes, they were providing access to other people that might need it because they understood the challenge of awkwardly asking people for notes. So, sure. so I, I, I felt like, okay, I could take that and I could scale that up. And so I, I ran like what we now know in product management is called uh, MVPs, a minimum viable product. And all it was, was a series of, of uh, email messages to try to kind of um, help them along the user flow, kind of groom some of their behavior so that they understand what impact that they had and that the platform truly appreciated it. And, and, that, and that kind of helped them really grow their contributions. And then from that, I was able to grow the, that group of 10 to about 100,000 people after a few more quarters of flushing it out. So that that's what I like, that's like my first example of like really any kind of PM work. But at that time, I still didn't know what it was I was doing. So it wasn't until like I was still involved in all the problems that of expanding this kind of user base and kind of getting them to contribute more. Uh, I, I ran into an article that was written by a Twitter PM, uh, a product manager. And, and that's when I was I asked the question, what's a product manager? So I did a quick Google search and that's when I realized what it was that I was doing was called product management. And that's when I started doing the official transition to product. That's cool. So, so what I'm taking from there, uh, a lot of it was the, uh, you really had no defined role. <laughs> there there yeah. was not, nothing kind of concrete where the traditional path is uh, you get a job description, they have whatever, 10, 15 yeah. points. So instead was that, Hey, you understood the company, you understood the problems and uh, go help solve them. Uh, which one do you want to tackle right now? Okay, it's yeah. development, being on campus, all right, that, that works, uh, but uh, only to a certain point. And then, well, now we have this other thing. We want to make sure that the, the system has, has more content, more users or whatever. Uh, and then uh, let's solve that problem. And uh, by, by doing that, you uh, end up kind of uh, almost creating a role for yourself. Uh, yeah. and, and um, whether you, you knew the, the, the title or the concept uh, on, on your own or not, uh, you eventually were able to demonstrate that you can do the work because uh, that was the sort of stuff that you were doing uh, yeah. on your own. So, so when, when you got that role, a product, like w was there any kind of formality to it in the sense that, okay, you've been doing it all along, but sometimes it helps if you kind of look at best practices or what everybody yeah. else is doing in the industry. Was there any kind of uh, things that you did to, to try to get up to speed and, and being uh, better at, at product managing? Yeah, so transitioning was not easy. Uh, transitioning itself was uh, basically what I, what I did was after the realization that I was indeed doing product management and that's really what I want to focus my time on. I created a proposal of what it was I wanted, which was to become a product manager. So like in a sense, this is a, a demotion and title. I would be moving down from director to product. And I created a, a, a timeline in terms of what resources I would need and how long it would take me to become effective in this role. So I pitched that to the CEO and it contained uh, what courses I was going to take, uh, what like what resources I was going to look at, and and like uh, like different books, different articles of, of like how I'm going to kind of shape this role, what business benefit that they should see if they if they allow for this transition, and also uh, like kind of like my areas of focus. So if I were to get it in my first, I treated it like as if I was getting a brand new job. Like in my first 90 days, this is what 
I have planned and this is what I'm going to do. So I created that um, almost as a way of, in a way it's like an ultimatum where it's like, I really want to move my career in this way. If, if uh, it wasn't in the cards for one class, basically I was going to go search on the job market again, just to see if I could find a job as a product manager because it aligns better with um, my interests. And thankfully the CEO said, absolutely, that makes so much sense. And we're going to help you along the journey. So that's, that's kind of like how that transition really happened. It, it, was a, it was a really big proposal in terms of how I was going to do it. So I did go through uh, online courses to, to learn formally from somebody else uh, how the approach of product management should go and some of the rituals, for example, and what purpose they serve. So that's really kind of helped give me enough practical knowledge that I could start trying it out in the real world. Talk, talk to us a little bit about that, that demotion, because you uh, said it as if it's like, ah, it was just a demotion. But that's like one of those things where nobody really talks about that, right? You're, you're supposed uh -huh. to go up and to the right. <laughs> that's yeah. sort of thing. Everything's supposed <laughs> to go in that direction. Uh, but, yeah. but what was that like conversation in your head like or conversation with others like? Because that sounds like uh, something very atypical for someone to do in their career. Yeah, I, I, I see. I, I understand what you're, you're saying in terms of like the that atypicalness but how I saw it was how I see it is that you could be very skilled in a certain area which is perfectly fine and if you move into a different area where you are no longer an expert it is totally fine to take let's say it I, I word it as a demotion but how I I saw it in my head was this is a start of an amazing journey and, and that's really how I saw it. Like I, I reasoned it out with my head and it didn't really take long at all. It's like, yes, it, it is a demotion. Like other people, actually I found more often um, other like management members were more concerned about that title change um, compared to me. Like I wasn't as concerned. I knew that for me, that this was a start of a journey for me that would be a lot, it would make a lot more sense. So I, I didn't really take it too much to heart because I saw it as this was completely different. Like director of content was more specific to, it was actually also created for me as well. It, it was specific to one KPI, whereas a product manager would be looking at a bunch of different items mm -hmm. to make the product successful. And I was like, that is a much more complete role. That's really what I am. And um, you don't have to go into numbers, but was there yeah. a pay cut associated with that? Because I know that's sometimes one of the factors which people don't want to take a, a, a demotion. Uh, Thankfully for me, there wasn't a pay cut, okay. but there wasn't uh, uh, there there wasn't a pay cut. However, there wasn't really a pay bump either. So, right. so, so for lateral. me, it, it was yeah, like for me, it was a lateral move. But I was ready to take it out. I, I went into that conversation knowing that, like you know, I'm gonna get a title change. I might get a uh, pay downgrade, which was I was fine. Another thing that I have to acknowledge, though, in my story that other people when they're listening to this might not be in the same situation is that I was in a financial position that I was able to take a pay downgrade. So that is sure. something that I recognize that not everybody is able to do. But for me, in my situation, I was, I was financially ready for a pay downgrade, uh, knowing that the upside would make it worth it in the long run. So, so you've gone into this and you've switched a couple of times now <laughs> so from, yeah, from accounting yeah. to like business development. Now you're in product. And now, uh, and, and this is probably get, getting us to present day, you're on a, a new journey. Well, 
uh, a journey that you might not even know yet. Uh, can you yeah. talk to us a little bit about that experience? And uh, now that you're later in your career, I know a, a lot of uh, young folks, they have this expectation that they're going to graduate and do kind of the one thing until they retire and all that. But uh, that, that's uh, something that I guess my parents' generation did, but I don't think it's a, it's a thing that people do nowadays. Um, so can you walk us through kind of your uh, next journey or, or wherever that's going to take you and some of the things that you're considering? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know exactly where it's headed, but like, sure. I'll, I'll at least start with uh, what kind of inspired it. Uh, one of the things that inspired my, inspired my kind of, um, my journey of seeking, I, I'll call it like a, a, my wandering journey. My wandering journey is, uh, is that thankfully because of the pandemic, I've been given a lot more time to reflect and meditate in ways that I've never been able to do in my entire life. My entire life has always been busy, 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 and it really clouds your way of thinking. But because of the pandemic, really, you only have like work and then not work. (laughs) And then with not work, you're really not doing anything. You're not meeting up with friends. You're not really engaging as actively as you normally would be. And I've been spending a lot of time thinking about where I was in my career, how I've kind of grown it. Uh, that whole story that I've told you, uh, that, that whole journey, I was spending a lot of time thinking about how a lot of the, the major events in my career have always been kind of circumstantial, where it's like, because I'm in this certain circumstance right now, I learned to change. And then I was thinking, well, when was the last time I've actually directed change for myself? Right. And then I thought that was, a, that was a very long time ago. That was back when I decided uh, like a, a while back that I wanted to do business, like back in high school. So I was like, hmm, that was a while back. So I was thinking to myself, I think it's time to do a proper check-in with myself. So you know how at work you do performance reviews and you do a sure. proper check-in with your manager. I'm like, I need to check in with myself and see where it is I'm actually going and, and like have that conversation with myself where it's like, where do I want my career to go in the next, even just two years, in the next two years, where do I want to see myself? And that's when I started thinking, I really want to take some of the best elements that I've, I've gotten out of like my career in tech and PM and focus that more into uh, problem spaces that I'm, I'm actually passionate about and also work with different types of leadership as well. So, and then that's when I started actually writing things down in terms of what it was that I was looking for and having that conversation of, well, is this something that I can get in my current role? And the answer like simply is not, not anymore. Okay. And I've kind of outgrown that. And that's when I was uh, like, that's what started this whole like journey of I'm going to start wandering to see if I could find something that kind of fits my generic uh, mold that I have for myself. Yeah. That's, that's cool. This is this is unique because we're kind of getting you at that point uh, that not even fork in the road. Yeah. The, yeah. I don't know the whole, I don't know, field <laughs> that's yeah. for, or the fort, whatever you're going to explore. Yeah. Uh, but what are some of the, the, the areas that uh, you will explore? So, so there's probably a bunch of things that you will do and definitely a bunch of things that you won't do. Uh, can, yeah. can you help folks that are kind of in a similar situation? Like, like how do you uh, decide or pick the, the areas of focus? Uh, what do you start with? Because if like the, the what was it the, the world's your oyster type of thing you can yeah. kind of do anything uh yeah. w- w- how, how do you uh propose to, to start or, or where, where are you going to start first yeah so at least for myself uh how I'm going to start is 
I started simply by networking okay. because I, one of the things I also wanted to pick up again was uh, something that was taught to us a long time ago back in business school is like the art of networking. Sure. And I was like, I haven't been networking as much as I possibly could have. And, and that, that's what I started doing. I started meeting up with more uh, people who are in product roles, uh, more established, uh, more, more senior, just to kind of get their different perspectives on multiple different things and see what kind of value I could give to them like upfront. And through that, I, I've been learning more about myself as well. And it helps me kind of identify areas of growth from myself. So one of the things that I'm actually exploring right now is, is uh, outside of the networking is, is to also explore education as an okay. area. So like, what, what can I do to actually further my education in this area? Because a lot of my experience so far has been very self-taught. So okay. I'm like, I need a little bit more structure. So then I ask myself, well, where can I get some sort of structure? So that's where I'm right now exploring different kind of education routes. I'm looking at like things like an MBA. I'm looking at more uh, newer form education, like things like Reforge and OnDeck, where they have fellowship programs where cohorts would enter into uh, an eight, intensive eight-week program and learn different skills. But but not really. It's not less about the skill learning, but more so about the 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 network and problem collective problem solving that you'll be working on as pods and I, I I'm like right now gravitating towards that direction so the biggest thing that I could like share with somebody else who's also on this journey is that allow yourself to explore and, and it's okay to not know exactly what the answer is today it's to give yourself the room to kind of breathe and explore because this journey is very it's very open and like as far as PMs go we can go so many different directions you can you know quite simply land another job as a PM. Sure. You can start another business. Um, you can you can uh, get into investment if that's like your thing. So there's many different areas, but it's really about allowing yourself to explore and and ask more questions to learn more about those areas to to not be res overly restrictive on that. What I, what I found uh, what was a kind of an underlying theme for all of this is uh, put yourself in, in the financial means to be able to do this. Because you mentioned before about the, like the demotion and stuff like that, yes. that you, you were in, in a, a space where you could ha have taken a pay cut if you wanted to. And then now I presume you're not doing all this stuff uh, so that you're not getting paid to do all this stuff. <laughs> so <laughs> so it's, it's, you're going to have to uh, probably um, pay for the, some of these courses or, or take some time to support yourself as you're networking and exploring and what have you. Uh, but you've probably put yourself in, in the financial means so you can do that. So that's probably a, a good call to action for those just graduating, uh, start saving, <laughs> right? And yeah. So that if you are in this uh, uh, juncture in, in your future, that, that you have the means to do that. Um, but, but I just wanted to call that out because it seemed to be that that, that was yes. a recurring thing where uh, yes. these, these transitions aren't, aren't easy, right? Uh, especially yeah. when you have uh, rent to pay and, and bills due and all that sort of stuff. So putting yourself yeah. in a... In a position where you can explore it is, is good so are there areas where you're definitely going to say nope not even going to bother with with this area because I've already been there done that and it's definitely not something that I want to want to explore um the only thing for me that I said uh, like a, I wouldn't say anything is a firm no for me right now sure. uh but less attracted to the idea of let's say start like working at another startup where I'm the only product person. One of the things that I really would like in my next type of uh, role is one where there is a, a better support system 
mm. um, a stronger kind of product organization. So like for those listening and have worked in your first product role, uh, sometimes in, in a smaller organization, usually the first product person is really like the founders. So because like it's, it's their it's their product that they're bringing to market and they're going to be effectively the first product manager. And right. then usually their first hire of a product person after that is usually somebody who's a little bit more seasoned that could take that, that, um, that item off the founder's plates so that they could do more founder related things like, like uh, seek for more funding, for example. Okay. Uh, so, so in those organizations, you're really supposed to be a builder in terms of building the organization for yourself. So, so one of the things for early um, product managers is that sometimes in those organizations, it might not actually be a good fit because learning from other people is actually really not happening. Because if you're working in a small organization where there's only 20 people, half of the organization are like, like developers and designers, sure. you might learn a little bit from them, but you won't be learning from people who are actually in the same trade. Mm. So that's just like something to keep in mind in terms of what that first role as a product manager would be if you're looking for those associate PM roles. You'll also find that a lot of organizations that do support associate PM roles are often bigger ones, like let's say Microsoft, for example, uh, would have one or Facebook, Google would have one. And that's because they have the resources that can have such a large product organization that can fund uh, really strong uh, associate PM uh, programs where you're actually being exposed to so many different areas and you have that mentorship to really help you grow a lot faster than sometimes uh, some of the smaller organizations. So that's that's my, my major tip because my journey was really going into that smaller organization and learning to grow inside, which definitely has its pros in, in its own realm where you get to explore and kind of discover that process uh, that self-discovery process like on your own and and it's great for people who have a lot of discipline to to do that uh, but if you are looking for a little bit more guidance I would definitely kind of like veer the way of like some of the larger organizations that have established um, uh, like new grad programs sure yeah yeah so, so it sounds like that your future at least uh, the, the initial step is, is to explore product and then and uh, more larger organizations kind of learn from the master, so to speak. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. You can kind of level up your, your game. And then uh, as you're on that journey to figure out, well, what else is out there? Because it might not be product that you love. It might be something else. Are there any other kind of side areas that you've always wanted to explore? Because I talk to folks and they say, you know what? I've always wanted to start like a baking business or, or things like that. Is there anything kind of like off to in total left field that that's uh, uh, on, on the exploration path? Um. The only thing that I kind of want to explore, it's not really out of left field, but uh, is more along the lines of investment. Okay. So, so like uh, part of the whole like financial stability is, uh, is uh, learning to invest very, very early. So one of the things that uh, <clears throat> I did as a result of my PM work was because I started learning about products and product strategy is that I wanted to see if I could apply my product knowledge to the stock market <laughs> so so like that's something that has proven to be fruitful so so that's something that I really want to explore further and I want to specifically look at some of the early stages of investment as well like uh, I'm talking about like angel and VC investment so like before things actually go public I really want to learn more about that world as well so it's not completely out of left field uh, but it's something that is a little bit out of direct reach for me right now uh, yeah 
Sounds good. So uh, yeah, Th thanks so much for sharing your story. And hopefully we'll have you back for an update in terms of where you're progressing <laughs> on, on any of those paths or maybe other paths that you haven't yet identified. Uh, but if you could go back and, and maybe give yourself uh, a few pieces of swike, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. So so Catherine in various stages of her career, I, I don't know, through high school, through university, through uh, the, the earlier days uh, at your, your startup, what, what are some of the, uh, the, the swike, the stuff I wish I knew earlier that you'd share? Um. I think if I were to coach myself or earlier was to give my, it's to tell myself that it's okay to, to try new things, okay. that you don't have to be so dead set on your goal. Um, it's okay to change your mind. Cool. And uh, so, so obviously you've done that a couple of times. So, uh, yeah. you, oh, but during that process, that. I was scared though. <laughs> it, it's not, it's not to say that like, oh yeah, I just changed my mind. It was totally fine. I was actually completely scared. I thought I was doing the wrong thing. I thought, what if I never find a job ever again? And, and it, it was like completely destroyed me. I, I never spoke about that in terms of my, like the emotional breakdown I would go through every time I would change my goals. Uh, but like, that was like probably the biggest thing that had I been a lot more comfortable with changing my mind, my journey probably would have been even more, uh, more like out of left field, uh, to be honest. I, I would have tried more things. I would have taken more risks with uh, my youth and tried like, oh, well, maybe maybe business is completely not right. What if I went straight into entrepreneurship? That, that was something that, uh, that like, I was like, oh, I can never start my own business. What if it fails? Yeah. Like that, that was like one thing. Or, or what if it succeeds widely, right? You never know. Yeah, right? but, but like, but that's not how my mind thinks. My mind just always thinks about the worst case. So, so if I were to go back, I would just talk, tell myself like, it's okay, like, like to try new things and it's okay to also even fail and that's a, the biggest thing too because like as as somebody who kind of like self-inflicted all these restrictions I, I was like you cannot fail you cannot get you cannot get that nine out of ten Catherine you have yeah. to get ten out of ten so like see so you see how it came all full circle when I did like the full reflection it's like uh I focused a lot on the what if bad bad case scenario rather than the positive outcome so and are there any kind of strategies or, or, or tactics that you were able to come up with in order to overcome those points when you were like scared out of your mind and like you're making this transition and oh my gosh, this is a horrible decision. Uh, was there something that allowed you to, to overcome um, the decision or, or is it just kind of just a matter of time? Oh, for, for me, one of the things was trying to really think about the, the positive upside, okay. taking a deep breath and just saying, well, you know, not to sound cheesy but you only live once yolo <laughs> so and just taking that and and uh, seeing where it goes like at, at some point I, I i did realize that a lot of that self-doubt a lot of those misgivings that i had was actually holding me back and actually mm -hmm. taking longer for me to execute decisions and i was like you know really like at some point you just have to try yeah, and I totally echo that where uh, i don't know if it's a cultural thing or whatever but uh, yeah you definitely uh, need to be successful right out the get-go. So oftentimes I found myself aiming a little bit lower because I know I could do this <laughs> versus <laughs> way past here where like, even if I went part way there, then I would uh, uh, be, be wildly successful. So so now I've kind of taken that tact where uh, one, one of my goals is to become uh, one of the new billionaires, which is to uh, positively impact a billion people, right? Um, and then the joke at the end is to, to ask each one for a dollar afterwards. Um, but uh, like if I end up impacting what a, a couple hundred million, a, a million, a couple hundred thousand, a thousand, 
I, I'm still in, in, in good shape and good company. So it, it's just a matter of how I can take that impact. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to catching up on uh, kind of future progress to see what, where, where you end up. But uh, yeah, are there any other future aspirations or anything that you'd want to leave the, the audience or, or places where they could potentially connect with you? Oh, honestly, if anybody finds me on LinkedIn, I'm very open to, to uh, chats right now. So if you're on a journey of self-discovery, you don't know where exactly you need to go, whether it's PM or any other kind of trade, like feel free to reach out. Yeah. Sounds good. So uh, thanks so much, Catherine, for joining us and hopefully we'll have you back for a future episode. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. And if you can give us a review, that would be very appreciated. Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at Luki Danu, L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U, and the same on most social media platforms. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye.